I'm Edwina Stott and this is the RFDS Queensland section podcast. In this three-part series, you'll hear the stories of three different nursing careers from within the organisation. From an outback flight nurse, to a male flight nurse, and a former nurse, now our CEO. This time, you'll hear from the RFDS Queensland section CEO, Meredith Stabe, who started out her career as a retrieval nurse on the Sunshine Coast. There are two consistent themes in Meredith's career, medicine and aviation. In this chat, I spoke with her to find out more about her journey from nurse to CEO. I began by asking her whether she'd always wanted to be a nurse. I don't know if it was something I always wanted to do. I think the opportunity came up and and, and I took it really, but it's been fantastic. I think it gives you such a well-rounded background. It teaches you how to communicate. You can manage in a crisis. I think it makes you very down to earth and you can prioritise. So I think it's a great background and a great background for business. Yeah, absolutely. And you said there that, you know, the opportunity just came up. So how did the opportunity present itself to you get to get into nursing? Because obviously you have to study quite extensively. It's not necessarily something you can fall into. So you must have had some kind of inkling that it was something that you would have enjoyed. Yeah, I, th- I think I've always, I've always liked people. I suppose I was starting to finish school. I had to make a decision and then obviously I applied and I got in and then really just went from there. So when I... F- finished my training I did some time in ICU and then obviously looking after really sick patients and then the opportunity came to move into emergency and then do helicopter retrievals out of Nambour and I really enjoyed that part of it so I think that's probably where my passion for health and nursing and medical and aviation really started. And when you started in nursing, obviously you must have been quite young, starting in ICU, did you find that quite confronting or was it something that you felt like you could do because obviously you enjoyed working with people and knew that you were helping them? Yeah, I think I think the benefit of training in a small, so I'm hospital trained, so that does give an indication of how old I am. Yeah, so hospital training, so you get to expose yourself to a whole range of specialties and yeah, ICU just really appealed to me. I think, you know, obviously very sick patients, complex yeah it was just that's naturally where I wanted to go I had the opportunity to do quite a bit during my training and when I finished that's where I went. So after your experience within the hospital and then going on to work on a helicopter I mean nursing's hard at the best of time what was it like doing it from a helicopter? So completely different I can remember going out so I suppose in ICU you have a whole team looking after it a patient when they get really sick but when you go out and do a retrieval it's really just yourself and the doctor so the equipment's not quite where you think it's going to be um, and you are really relying on each other so there's a real teamwork approach to it because you absolutely have no one else to rely on but the two of you so yeah, it was completely different I can remember getting more than my fair share of a few shocks <laughs> things weren't quite on the you know where you thought they would be in a uh, crash cart or on the back of a wall you know they're on a pack in the middle of uh, in a helicopter or on the side of the road so yeah it was completely different but I did yeah I really enjoyed it because you can really make a difference yeah and are there any days that stand out to you as particularly remarkable when you know you look back on your time working as in helicopter retrievals now is there anything that you think oh yeah wow that was a big day yeah, there's one that stands out straight away for me. It was, I was at Nambour Hospital at the time. There was MVA at Mullaney up in the range, up the back of the hospital. And we'd gone up. We'd left in a helicopter and gone to the scene. And there was, it was a car crash with a male and a female in it. Just got engaged. And she was really badly injured. So badly injured we couldn't bring it back down 
in the helicopter we came back back down by road but what sticks out for me it was a very sad case but just the overwhelming thanks and appreciation from the family for what you do that that really sticks out for me particularly sad case but just amazing family and amazing family support you know it sticks in your mind it was like it was really important to them yeah. but yeah it does highlight the importance and you can really make a difference. And I think it sticks in my mind because I got a lovely note from her dad sort of a couple of weeks later saying thanks to, to everything that, you know, everyone had done looking after his daughter. So, yeah, it does make it all worthwhile. And you spoke just briefly before about the kind of skills you gained being a nurse. Mm. Were they intensified even more and really honed by the fact that you were in an aircraft? Yeah, the, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think communication, so you need to just be pretty clear and and probably quite direct. And I think when situations get more intense, that, that becomes more apparent. But I think it's just obviously trusting your team, trusting who you work with, uh, having each other's backs. I think what pulls everyone together is that shared vision for helping someone. So mm. you're there, everyone's got a common purpose, a common goal. So a lot of that comes naturally, but yeah. I think definitely you definitely gain those skills in those situations. Yeah, of course. And then you went on to manage, the, I know you worked in nursing for a while before that, but you went on to manage the Holy Spirit Northside Emergency Department. What was that like going from nursing to then going into almost a management role? I think I naturally gravitated to that. I had always through my career maintained clinical skills so even now I think when you uh, you have clinical people in senior roles it's still really important for them to maintain their clinical skills it's you know it's that that maintaining relevance I think you then naturally have the respect of the people that that work with you Um, so I think it's always important so all through my career up until a certain point I always managed to do some clinical work some clinical shifts and I I did that when I was at Holy Spirit as well because I think you don't ever really understand what you're asking someone to do unless you can experience it firsthand and so even today I do that you know I like to go out on a clinic understand you know what 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 do they do in engineering each day? I've set up the front with a pilot. And I just think it gives you a whole new perspective when you're making decisions in an organisation if you know what they really experience firsthand. Sometimes when you go out on those clinics and you're with the other nurses, do you kind of slip back into it and feel like you want to jump in and help? I had the opportunity to go out with a charitable team to a clinic and yeah, I did an ECG. <laughs> it all came back to me. I'm not sure I'd be up for super complex clinical care, but I did an ECG and did some training with them before we went out. It was great. It, yeah, comes back. Not Maybe not a little bit rusty, but yeah. I can do <laughs> simple it. things, yeah. yeah. And when you first went into management, how did you find that? I know you said you've got a love for people. So did you naturally quite enjoy, you know, working out how people ticked and managing that kind of thing? I suppose as you go through your career, you get, Technically, you get very competent in, 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 in what you do. And then there definitely is a transition into to management. And I think that's probably, in the health field, that's that's probably one of the bigger, not challenges, but that's probably one of the most common themes you'll see is people become technically very competent and then they step into management. So I think it's always important that if that happens that you've got to make sure you invest in those people to give them the opportunity to learn skills, learn about leadership, learn about management. And so I, I would... I had that journey myself. You know, you always learn by mistakes. Sometimes it's not quite, uh, you're on reflection, you might, have, you might have managed that different. But I definitely think there's a transition that all clinicians go through when they move into a management role. 
and some people prefer to, to maintain the clinical role and others will make that transition but you do need to make sure that if you're that you give people the opportunity to invest or spend time developing leadership and management. And then after that, you moved into insurance and you uh, went on to become the general manager for medical assistance for Allianz. Obviously, Allianz is a worldwide company. I looked after the Australian and New Zealand branch, really, of it. So basically, anyone travelling on a travel insurance policy outbound out of Australia, we would be managing, and they had a medical event overseas, we would be managing that for. It It was a great job. Obviously, you're looking at a whole range of international health systems and how do you bring people back from Europe on an aircraft, what does that look like, how do you prepare for that. So yeah, it was a big job but really interesting I think it, and it tied back to probably my background in retrieval, nursing, emergency, you know, crisis situations. I think that was a natural appeal. I could, I suppose, I could work in a management role but still have the ability to be in touch from a clinical point of view. So that, that's probably what appealed to me and international. So you were bringing people back to Australia if they'd had accidents on their holidays or when they were travelling. What did that involve? That sounds like there's a lot of moving parts to be able to get somebody from another country when they're severely injured. Yeah, so absolute complex logistics around that. So I suppose you uh, can be dealing in a country where they don't speak English, health system's completely different, and then you're trying to move them really across the world in some time. So if you're bringing someone back from Europe through a repatriation that's a significant complex logistical nightmare really so you need to make sure they're fit to travel you need to find the right aircraft the right crew there'll be multiple fuel stops through that you know run over a 24 36 48 hour period of time I suppose it's complex and challenging but I think the, the constant feedback you'd get back from patients was oh my god to see someone coming on the red kangaroo, pick us up and take us home, you know, we're in a foreign country, we're sick, nobody speaks English, we just want to get home. Really rewarding work as well. I think you must have so much experience from that, you know, in terms of managing moving parts. I know the RFDS is the third biggest airline in Australia, so we're pretty big, but that must have given you so many skills in terms of logistics and that kind of big picture management. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think Queensland's a vast state for us to get around there after, yes, but uh, yeah, I suppose yeah, it's a different different lens when you're looking at moving people around the world, really. So again, it comes back to, you know, the ability to be able to communicate, prioritise, build relationships, teams. I suppose they're common themes through, mm. that you see really throughout my career and areas that I've worked in that I've, yeah, that mm. I enjoy the most. And when you started to move away from nursing, I know obviously you were a bit later on in your career when you did that job, but did you miss the hands-on nursing or did you really then have your teeth stuck into the management then, you enjoying that? I suppose what I've been fortunate to do is always to be in in organisations that have health so I can still... Yeah. I'm not doing hands-on nursing, or maybe I do occasionally, but it's... <laughs> um, but I still, I still get to have that contact. It's still, even though I'm in a, a management role now... It's still all about patient care. So, you know, I've still got that connection back. So it's perfect. I think for me, I'll always predominantly be, I would imagine, in health health organisation because it's all about the patient. Yeah. So whether there's someone travelling overseas that gets sick or it's someone on a remote property in Queensland, it's all about taking care to them and or taking them to care. I suppose you can be delivering the care at the forefront or you can be making sure 
like for me with the RFDS, it's, you know, making sure we're sustainable, keeping John Flynn's vision alive, making sure we're either taking care of people in the furthest corner or we're bringing them, bringing them to care. So, yeah, it's just an underlying theme I've had in my career, I think. So after that, you went on to become the CEO at World Travel Protection, um, a huge global assistance company who, again, carry out medical evacuations. What was it like to lead such a large company doing that, again, that massively life-saving work? Was that an even bigger company or how did that compare to the other organisations you've worked for? Um, it probably was It probably was the largest I've worked for. So obviously we had offices in China, Malaysia and Toronto, um, we're looking at expanding that footprint as well. So I suppose it, you definitely get across different time zones, <laughs> different languages. And I think you definitely also need, again, to draw on that, that communication piece because you're obviously bringing together a team across multiple platforms, different time zones. It was a challenge. I think you need to, you know, you'd be up in the morning talking to the the team in Toronto and Canada and then the evening it'd be, it definitely was a global role and so probably the biggest challenge is getting across trying to keep abreast of everything across multiple different time zones and i know the nepal earthquake sticks out to you as quite a big event what's it like having to be so reactive and knowing that so many people are relying on you and your team to get them home and get them to safety i I think on reflection you think of wow that was you know pretty constant for five straight days but i think you know the rewarding pieces when obviously you know family bring up and you know very appreciative that you've brought them home or you've been able to connect them you know or we used to have a, like a global sim or a roaming um, global sim so we, we, we you know we could top that up for them to make sure they can talk to family or connecting them to medical care um, so I think you, you you know you get in and do what needs to be done um, and on reflection it, it probably seems bigger than what it is when you're actually in the experience yeah. But again, you learn so much. Yeah, of course. Do you think that's why you're drawn to that mix of medicine and aviation? Because you can do so much for people. Do you know, in a hospital, you can pay, perhaps help one person, which is no small feat, don't get me wrong. But in terms of working for these organisations who are global, have planes and, you know, big organisations with access to many medical staff, you can help so many people at once. It's remarkable. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's correct. I think for me it's about connecting people to care and maybe that's what comes through in my career. Obviously my experience in international medical repatriation is that connecting people to care or you're connecting people to, to come home and I think it's the same here at the RFDS. So we are connecting people in rural and remote areas that face so many challenges already but then obviously not to have the health infrastructure that we have in the city being able to connect them to that is probably what I find most rewarding. Mm. So, yeah, we need people to live in rural and remote communities. So we've all got a you know, responsibility to make sure they have access to, to, to what you'd normally have in the city, and that's care. So I think that's probably what attracts me the most to the RFDS. So when you got your job at the RFDS, when you heard that you'd got the role, mm. what did you feel like? What was that like? I was really excited about it. I think the Arctis has such amazing brand, it's iconic. So I was naturally drawn to the opportunity. I think what I've found now since being in the role is I thought it was all about aeromedical, but RFDS is so much more. So obviously we do do amazing work in the aeromedical space and and the inter-hospital transfers that we do. But, you know, there's the other piece that we do around primary healthcare that's amazing. So, you know, 
over 30,000 clinic consultations. You know, we've got a wonderful dental program and we've got a mental health and wellbeing program. We do parenting programs. So I suppose I've had had initial perception of it and, and that's all lived up to what I thought it was, but there's so much more. Mm, yes. So now I feel very lucky <laughs> to have taken the role. You were obviously initially attracted to the organisation as you know, you would have known it working in healthcare in Australia. But what was it that really drew you towards the Flying Doctor? I think it was the aviation and the health combination, because I think that's a common theme. And I suppose from an aviation point of view, obviously we would contract providers to provide that service in my previous roles, but having the opportunity to be able to actually lead an aviation and health organisation was what was really appealing. And I think I was ready also to obviously help people travelling overseas and I really wanted to help people here in Australia and Queensland. So initially when you started working for the organisation, you probably had some preconceptions about what the RFDS did and had a pretty good idea of the nature of the organisation. But are there any other things that have become even more apparent to you that are pretty impressive in what we do? Absolutely. So I think there's there's three things that are pretty impressive for the RFDS. (laughs) The people that work here, huge amount of commitment, dedication and they stay so true to vision and purpose Um, and that's a wonderful foundation for an organisation. Unwavering community support and and recognition for the work that the RFDS do and obviously we have the great community support but also we have some wonderful corporate and individual people that support the organisation. And I think the third thing is the history of the organisation. I think it is so strong. I think on the outside you you know, there'll be varying degrees that people understand or know the history of the RFDS, but when you're in the organisation and you get to hear the history and, you know, John Flynn's vision for the mantle of safety and it's just such a powerful thing that holds everyone together, I think it's absolutely amazing. And as I always say, you know, I think an organisation, you know, you need to be responsible to make sure it's sustainable and, and John Flynn was an innovator way before his time you know, he was innovating before everyone knew what innovation was mm-hmm. so I always say we need to make sure that we stay true to to that purpose so we need to innovate what we do we need to challenge what we do because we've got to stay true to where we really came from which was mm. his vision and, yeah. and he was an innovator and now, you know, starting out as a nurse all those years ago, doing your, you know, helicopter retrievals and your ICU, are you even more grateful for that foundation now as the CEO of such a huge organisation that you actually understand day to day what it's like to work on the front line of a health service provider? Yeah, I think it absolutely gives you, or gives me unique understanding for the organisation. So I think it, personally it taught me how to communicate, how to prioritise, um, how to be part of a team. So that's sort of the, the, the interpersonal skills, I suppose, that you acquire. Obviously then having, you know, clinical knowledge, even though it might be a bit rusty, mm. but I definitely understand that the pressures of, of people working at, at the, the front line. And I think then I've had been very fortunate in my career to have exposure from a business commercial point of view so I think that is a really unique skill mix because obviously I understand you know when you're leading an organization you know you need to make sure it's sustainable and you know and that it will go into the future and that you know what's affordable and and that John Flynn's vision will continue 
So you have that responsibility, but you then also can overlay it with what's most important, which is the patient. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it, this is, it's, I think it's a great balance. And I think it's, I feel very fortunate to have been given that opportunity to, to have done both. And as you then spoken about the future and your focus towards the RFDS as we turn 100, what's your vision for the organisation as we do head into the future? So as we go towards 100, as I commonly say, I think for us it's to make sure we are sustainable. I think we have got a great history. We're like 92 years old this year. So I suppose my vision is that whatever I leave behind is my legacy is that I've contributed to making the next 90 years possible. So that is about making sure we are sustainable, challenging what we do, make sure we get more health care to more people. So I think that that would be that I've made some contribution to the John Flynn legacy. And I know you said before, but when you were working for a nurse that you always dreamed of working for the RFTS. But did you ever think you'd find yourself sitting here as a boss? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to work at the RFTS when I was a nurse, but I never did my midwifery. So I always say I was never good enough. Um, so I never I never got to fulfil that career goal. But yeah, now, now I get to come back in some shape or form, not as a nurse, but obviously to help sort of carve the future for the next 10 years. So, yeah, I feel very lucky. I didn't make it the first time around, but I got here in the end. So when you sit here in your office and, you know, you look back and you think, you know, all those years ago you were a nurse and now you've come back to the RFDS, to Aeromedical Retrieval, but you've come back as the CEO. Do you sit here and reflect on that? And if you do, what do you think when you do think about that journey you've been on? I I think I feel very humbled to be here when I look out and see the aircraft and and the team in action I think I also have been very lucky to have some great opportunities and work some with some amazing people in my career um, and learn from some amazing people so I feel very fortunate so I I feel humbled I feel fortunate and I just think nursing was an amazing foundation for that all to occur so when I sit here I feel very lucky That was RFDS Queensland Section CEO Meredith Stabe. If you enjoyed that chat, don't forget to take a listen to the two other episodes in this series, where you'll hear from a male flight nurse and an outback flight nurse. You can find them wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Royal Flying Doctor. I'm Edwina Stott, and this was the RFDS Queensland Section podcast. Catch you next time.